Oh, Father, we pour out our praise on you, Lord. We pour out our praise on you because you, are, you give us the very breath. You spoke life into man. You speak life into us by the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. So, Father, we come to you this morning expecting you to do something in our lives. God, that you would open our spiritual eyes to see you with greater clarity, that you would open our spiritual ears to hear your small, still voice speaking to our hearts, that you would open our hearts to receive everything that you have for us this morning. And so, Father, we come to you, and we boldly come to your throne of grace, and we present our petitions to you, not in a re religious or legalistic way, but in a relational way, because we have that uh, uh, opportunity, and we have the authority to come into your presence and come to your throne of grace, presenting those things within us that we need help with. And not only do we present those but we expect you to speak to us, that you will move mountains for us, that you will do whatever needs to be done for us. And so we thank you, and that's why we praise you, God. You are worthy of our praise because you are awesome. And so, Father, we pray this morning that you would download into us everything that we need, and we would walk away changed, not because we've come to another church service, because, but because we've encountered the Almighty God who created everything, who loves us. It's, an, it's amazing that the creator of this universe has a personal relationship with us. And we give you praise and glory and honor and thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Uh, I'll release the warrior youth at this time. You guys are welcome to go back. Praise team, great job. Good job. Very good. Amen. All right. Well, we are continuing in this series, Fast, Pray, and Praise. And uh, most of you know, if you don't know, uh, Life Fellowship began a church-wide uh, season of prayer and fasting for 21 days. And so I'm, if, well, let me put it this way. If this is your home church, if I'm your pastor, I'm asking you to fast and pray for 21 days. So that's an expectation that I have of you. I think that's reasonable, right? And uh, we have some devotionals over there. If you're, over, if you're 18 or over, I want you to take one of those. Every adult, I want you to take one, and I want you to join us in reading. It has been amazing uh, what God has been showing me, and I know some of you. And so we're corporately joining together to fast and pray and uh, if, if you missed the last couple of weeks, I encourage you to go back online and watch those teachings or podcast those. Uh, I'm not going to go back and lay the foundation again because I've already done that. But on January 27th, before we began the fast, I talked about fasting. And last week, I talked about fasting, the purpose of it. And also, while I'm thinking about it, in the daily devotional, we have, we're finishing up reading in, in our Bible reading program, we're finishing up the Old Testament. I'm Hallelujah. <laughs> so many of us have read through the entire Bible over the course of several years. And we, we read the New Testament over and over a few times. And then we started in the Old Testament a few years back. And so we're concluding that. But um, all that to say that in the back of the book, the daily devotional on page 70, that's where you'll find the, the Bible reading program that we're going to continue once we finish the 31-day devotional. And at page 70, it's strategically placed there. Cisco, I'm getting a little bit of a ring, please. Uh, at, at the, uh, uh, on page 70, uh, Robert Morris goes through and talks about what fasting is and, and is not. So that's a good little way to, to uh, help you implement what we're asking you to do. So I encourage you. I expect you, if you're a part of this fellowship, to participate in that. And I had a, a strong meeting with the uh, leaders on Friday, and I found out that there were some that were not, and uh, they were clearly aware of my disappointment in that. So, and I would be disappointed to find that you're not doing it as well. So, uh, we, we are fasting not as a dietary reason, but we are fasting for a spiritual reason. And you can go back and look in the Old Testament, the New Testament. And, and I just taught a couple of weeks ago that Jesus fasted for 40 days. 
So I'm not asking any of you to fast for 40 days, but I am asking you to fast something, and I'm asking you to fast food. It's funny, I got on Facebook the other day, and there's a friend of ours, and, and he said, oh, we're doing a 21-day fast, and he had a picture of this huge bowl of salad with all kinds of dressing on, on it, and not one, not two, but three bowls of soup. And one of the comments was laugh out loud, and I liked that one because I thought, that's not fasting. That's not even, well... I'm just going to stop there. Uh, but, but I really encourage you to fast food. In the past, we've done Daniel fast, which is not really a Daniel fast. It's a dietary change. Uh, you know, some people have said, well, I'm going to fast Facebook or sodas or chocolate or whatever, and that's fine. But I'm asking you to fast food. If you can, fast uh, a meal a day or, uh, you know, for, fast for a couple of days on a water fast, whatever you can do. And, and the purpose of that is that we connect with God on a greater level. What's our mission statement of Life Fellowship? To develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. And so as we fast and pray, we come into a deeper, more intimate relationship with him. And that's the goal. And then there are some things that we're praying for. We're praying for personal reflection and direction for this year. And we're saying, God, what do you have for me this year? And, uh, you know, just to seek him. We're praying that people's hearts are turned toward Jesus. We're praying for people in our communities to be saved, healed, and delivered, and set free. We're praying for revival in our nation. We're praying for this nation. We need revival. We need godly leaders to stand up for the cause of Christ and stand firm. And it starts with us. We need to stand firm. We're praying to end abortion. And I got a call from a friend of mine who had called, and he's kind of initiating uh, trying to get churches together to pray against abortion. He told me six abortion clinics have closed, and there's three more that we're praying against. And listen, let me be very clear. There's, there's probably a very, very, very good chance that someone sitting here today or watching online has had an abortion. We're not here to condemn you. We're here to say that there's help. There are other alternatives. We support organizations, ministries like Anchor Point that can help you. And Tammy works there, and, and she can help you. Listen, if, if we have someone that is struggling with lying or gossip or having an affair or homosexuality or something like that, we're going to help them. So if you, if you have an issue, uh, you know, please, please don't abort. There are other options. Come and talk to us. Uh, talk to Tammy. She'd be a great resource. We're praying to end murder and violence in our communities across this nation. Do you ever watch TV and want to slap yourself and say, is this really happening? Am I the only one? But we get so conditioned to all this junk that we see and all this violence and, and evil around us that it, it wears us down. So we're praying against murder and violence in our communities and nation. We're, you know that we, we're praying for a building. We're praying for land. We're going to have to do one of two things. Either we need to go to two services or we need a bigger building. So we're praying about that. And I believe that it's time for us to step out and get our own land and building. But we don't want to do that until we hear directly from the Lord. So we're doing some things right now to see how, how that can be facilitated if, if, if the Lord wants us to move forward. So be in prayer for wisdom for us. We're, pray, we're asking you to pray about the areas of ministry that you're serving in. We, Christine just mentioned tonight we have uh, the college and career that's starting. So if you're 18 and above in that 20 to 20s, uh, age group, you need to be coming. If, if you have friends and neighbors that are in that, that age group, you need to, need to be coming. The Shrods are going to be starting Life 101. I think everyone should come to that. It's an overview of the Bible, the 66 books of the Bible, and especially if you're a new Christian and you say, well, I, I don't know that much about the Bible. This is a perfect opportunity for you to learn. It's a 14-week course, and uh, you know we're gonna be, it's going to be a broad brush, but you need to come. Uh, and I was telling our leaders, even if you know all these things, you should probably still come as well because we're going to be expanding and teaching other classes and developing other curriculum, and you can get a feel for how the teachings kind of go, the flavor of that. And so we may be calling on you to help us to teach classes. So this is a great way to support the work of the ministry and, and, uh, and also get a flavor for, for some of the things that are going on here. These things are important. We're not just doing stuff to do something. Um, again, uh, just to recap on the fast, everyone can fast something throughout this, this month or these 21 days. And I already mentioned the daily devotional. 
And so I want you to pick one of those up, and uh, I'm not asking you to pick up one for Aunt Mabel and, and you know, somebody down the street. I, I, this is for us in-house because we have a limited number, but I want you to take one, and I want you to commit, if you take one, I want you to commit to reading. And I'm not saying that you have to get caught up, but I would like for you to get caught up. This daily devotional has been really good, and uh, so... I'll just leave it at that. Okay, so this morning, I'm sh- I've been teaching on fasting. This morning, I'm shifting to prayer. So we're going to be going to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8, and 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. They'll be on the screen. Uh, Matthew 6, 5 says, when you pray, it doesn't say if, right? It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners. And in the synagogues where everyone can see them. And if you remember last week, we looked at, I think it was Matthew 6, 16, where Jesus was talking about fasting. And he kind of had the same format there when he says, uh, Jesus is talking about the hypocrites letting everyone know that they're fasting. He says, that, you're missing the point. When, when you're wanting people to acknowledge you for your fasting. And so he's, Jesus is getting down on the, on the uh, Pharisees and Sadducees and the religious leaders of the time because their hearts were messed up. Because they were fasting and p- so that they could get sympathy from other people. And he's saying likewise here uh, about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. It continues, I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. And if you remember from last week, he said that about fasting too. What is their motives? Their motives were to be praised by men. Oh God, I thank you for this day. Is anybody watching me? They were making a scene. They were making a mockery of prayer. Let me read this again. But when you pray, well, let's see. Let's continue on. Uh, But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Is Jesus saying never to pray publicly? No, he's not saying that. Let's go to Mark chapter 12. I didn't tell you about this one, but we'll go there. Uh, And this is what Jesus is talking about in, in Mark 12, 38 through 40. Jesus also taught, beware of these teachers of religious law. Jesus was exposing them for the hypocrites and phonies that they were. They would exploit others, cheat the poor, and take advantage of the rich. Furthermore, they really didn't love God or have a relationship with him. Their hearts and their motives were wrong. And that's what Jesus is addressing. Jesus is always looking at the heart. It didn't matter how they were dressed with their fine and fancy robes and sandals and all that, or whether they were, you know, barely had any clothes to wear. He's looking at our hearts. And let's read on. Uh, Okay, Uh, Jesus also taught, beware of these teachers of religious law, for they like to parade around in flowing robes and receive respectful gestures or greetings as they walk in the marketplace. Hello, Rabbi. Hello. Goes on to write, and how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and at the heads of table at banquets. See, there was a status there, and there was a benefit for them walking in that. And I I think like them, we can get caught up in things that, that are not pleasing to the Lord. We can think that we're doing the right things, but, but what's the heart in that? What's the motive in that? Are we doing that for ourselves? Are we doing it to serve others? Are we doing it to serve God? And how they love the seats of honor in the synagogues and the head of table at banquets, yet they shamelessly shamelessly cheat widows out of their property and then pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Because of this, they will be punished. Because of this, they will be more severely punished. Many of the Pharisees were not 
as interested about seeking the Lord as they were about praise from men and putting on a show. What does James 1.18 say? It says, we, uh, above all creation, we are his prized possession. God takes his prized possessions very seriously. So if we're robbing widows, if we're taking advantage of people, if we're not reflecting the heart of God, if we're not drawing people to him, we need to look at our heart and our motives because that's what it's all about. Let's go to James 1, 3, 1, actually. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly. God takes his people seriously. And so we're in a position of leadership. If we're up here on the platform, we're leading. We need to represent him correctly with excellence because he deserves excellence, right? Um, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they will be accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. The part of this scripture that I want to focus on is obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. I am accountable to God for, what, for everything that happens in this church. And so we expect there to be excellence. We expect there to be love. We ex well, let me put it this way. Leadership at Life Fellowship may be different than other churches you've been at, but the, the model of leadership here is servant leaders. Nobody is too good. We lead by example. And that's the expectation. And so God wants to do something in our hearts and in our lives to cause us to come into alignment with his word. And uh, to accurately reflect what he's called us to, to do and, to, and the people he's called us to be. Because when we're shepherding and leading other people, and, and part of the reason I'm talking about this is because there are a lot of leaders in this, in this room right now. And uh, if you're not in a leader pos leadership position, God may be elevating you and raising you up and preparing you. This is part of the preparation for what God is calling you to do. And so when God looks at us and he trusts us to lead other people, he takes that very seriously because they're his prized possession. We are too, but so are they. And so when we're leading, we need to be very serious about what we're doing. Let's go back to Jesus rebuking the religious leaders of the day in Mark 12, 40. Yet they shamelessly cheat widows out of their property, and then they pretend to be pious by making long prayers in public. Jesus was not into playing church. He was all about the Father. And if you know anything about Life Fellowship, we're not into playing church. We're into all about the Father, what the Father has for us, building healthy relationships with him and also one another. Um, we're about the, the Father's work. And, and there's a slide coming up. Our mission statement, again, is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Come on, put it up on the slide, please. Our my, there we go. To develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. Uh, it's our calling to make committed followers of Christ in this house. It's, it's our calling to introduce unbelievers to the Lord. It's our calling to train and equip people that already know the Lord. Listen, if they don't know the Lord, let's bring them into the house and introduce them to Jesus, and then let's help them grow. Uh, to train and equip people that know the Lord to be a body of believers that know the word of God. You're not gonna get uh, the word of God in you by sleeping with a Bible on your chest. I don't think, I don't know. I don't know of anybody that's happened to. And so that's why we're encouraging you to come to the midweek service. Listen, guys, it's about training and equipping us to go out and impact the lost and dying world. There are people all around us that are dying and going to hell. Let me be straight up. And God may have placed you in the workplace, in the neighborhood, uh, given you the influence that he's given you for a purpose and a reason. Have you ever thought about that? To impact the world around us. And so we're, we are called to be a body of believers that knows the word of the God, the, the word of the Lord, and also what? Live it, right? Okay, to be a body of believers that know the heart of God and live it. And we're not gonna know the heart of God 
unless we get into his word, unless we spend time with him. Jesus is the hope of the world, and the local church is the mechanism that Jesus has given to help us. And so, uh, you know, I was talking with a guy, uh, I guess it was about um, five or six years ago, when we first started Life Fellowship. I don't, uh, we didn't even have this building yet, and we were meeting in our home. And I was telling him about Life Fellowship, and he said, yeah, uh, me and my wife and my family, we need to come. And I'm like, yeah, you need to come. Yeah, we're going to come. And uh, never, never showed up, and then I saw him like a year or two later. This was in our old neighborhood. And... Uh, he said, yeah, what time is your church on, on Sunday or what time is the Bible study? And Anyway, I ran into him um, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I said, hey, how are you doing? He said, well, I'm doing all right. I, you know, I, I fell off the wagon and started drinking for about a year, and, and uh, my wife left me, and now we're divorced. And, and I was thinking... Dude, <laughs> it doesn't have to be like that. It didn't have to turn out that way. I didn't tell him that. Maybe I will if I see him again. But I was thinking that I would say that there's a 99.9 to 100% chance that he would not be in the same place he is now if he would have started coming to church. And I'm not saying that, that, that it's because of us. It's because of Jesus. Amen. He would have been getting the word. Maybe he wouldn't be divorced. Maybe he would have never fallen off the wagon. Listen, guys, the local church is so vital to our connection. And so I'm so pleased that you're here. And I'm so pleased when I see you on Wednesday night. And I'm so pleased when I'm going to see you on Sunday night, tonight. Uh, so anyway, we can't know the heart of God unless we spend time in his word and spend quiet time with him receiving. So... That's really the focus of this 21-day fast and prayer and this 31-day devotional. We'll conclude with a 31-day devotional. And you can fast throughout the month. Hey, there's nothing saying you can't fast for 31 days. I'm just saying uh, just pray and ask the Lord what he wants you to do and then simply obey. Let's go back to Matthew 6.6. 6. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Why does he reward us? Because our hearts are right. Because we're making a sacrifice, I guess, to some degree. I mean, I guess it's sacrificial. I would say it is to get along with God and make that a priority. To, to deliberately say, I'm going to spend some time with you, God. So our hearts are right. Our motivations are correct. We're being authentic. We're being authentic. Because our hearts our intent on seeking him, he will reward us. He wants to reward us, guys. He wants to pour out his abundant blessings upon us. And he wants us to know his will for our lives so that we can fulfill all that he's called us to do. We need regular times of getting alone and seeking the Lord like we're doing this month. We need quiet time away from the noise and the, and the distractions. And believe me, I know there are a lot out there. There are so many things that will distract us. We need to get his heart and direction. And prayer is a, a personal conversation with God. It's amazing to me. I've talked to people and they're like, well, I really don't know how to pray. Well, do you know how to talk to me? Well, yeah, I can talk to you. Just talk to God the same way. It's really not that difficult. But it requires us developing a relationship. Yesterday, I did not, since we've been doing this prayer and fasting, yesterday I did not get a word from the Lord uh, in my quiet time. But every other day I have. And even uh, the other day, uh, the Lord spoke to me and I jotted it down in the, in the devotional. And then even on the way to work, he shared some other things with me. See, listen, God is always there. And, and ready to speak to us, but we need to have our antennas up. If we have the antennas taken off, we're not going to be receiving. But if we put our spiritual antennas on, God is wanting to speak to us. And that, that process of hearing from the Lord and receiving from, from the Lord is a, a process that develops over time, just like any other relationship. And so as we begin to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us, we recognize that small, still voice. And uh, God, God's, I believe God wants to speak to us, to us throughout the day. 
So we also have our personal time of prayer, but we have corporate times of prayer. And I've been wanting to do a, a, a praise and worship service on a Friday night. We used to call it First Fridays, and we haven't done one of those in a long time, where we would come together and we would worship for a while and we'd spend time in prayer. We'd get in that quiet zone, wherever that was in the sanctuary, and just spend time with him. It's powerful. We've seen God do all kinds of things, but it's because we're intentional in getting into his presence. Uh, we also pray for food in restaurants. So Jesus is not saying never pray in public. I'm encouraged when I see a family gathered around and holding hands and praying. We always pray at the dinner table. If we're in a restaurant, if, if we're at a Christmas party, at a, a, um, a company party, or at our meal around the house, so we can pray in public. We, we can also pray with our, our coworkers. I, I can't, I mean, there have been people that the Lord has opened up the door for me to lead to the Lord or rededicate their life to the Lord, people I worked with. And I prayed with, I don't, I don't know how many people. And, uh, you know, you don't be sensitive to your work environment. Be sensitive to them. Oh, God, she's having an affair. Help her. You know, nobody needs to know that. Be sensitive. But you can have, God, if God opens up the opportunity for you to pray with someone, he'll provide the time and place. And so we can do those kinds of things. And even if we're not praying with someone uh, right there, we can pray for them as they walk down the hall. So be in prayer. This is a, a season of prayer. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 5, 7, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. Why? Because it's not about reciting some kind of religious thing. It's about a personal relationship. It's about us sharing our heart with our Father. We should be, prayer should be personal. It should be authentic. It should be real. It shouldn't be a, something that has no meaning for us. How many of you have learned the Lord's Prayer? I remember uh, reciting that and learning that as a young child and reciting that. But have you ever prayed the Lord's Prayer and, and you know, you really don't even, you're not really praying, you're just saying something. I think that's what Jesus is talking about. Is that we're, when we pray, we want to really engage with him. It's not about the words coming out of our mouth. It's the, the engagement of our heart. Matthew 6, 7. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. I think these people were not authentic. I think that that's the thing that he's trying to say. Your hearts are not right. You're not authentic. Their prayers were um, based on getting recognition from others to appear very spiritual. Paul is writing to a son in the faith, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. And he says, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Verse 2, for people will love only themselves and their money. When you think about the world standards, when you think about Hollywood, what comes to mind? Does humility, generosity, godliness come to your mind? When you think about the world standards, is that what comes to your mind? Not mine. People will love, people will only love themselves and money. Let me ask you this. In, in our culture today, the culture of self-absorption, is that increasing or diminishing? You see people getting plastic surgery until they look deformed. I don't think they intend to look like that, but they're attempting to, to look better. And so our focus so much is on ourselves, <clears throat> And it can even be like, it can even migrate into the church. So we need to be careful that our heart is right what does the world seem to value the most? Money, material things, and looks. 2 Timothy 3, 2, for people will love only themselves and their money. Goes on to say, they will be boastful and proud and scoffing at God. Do we see a culture that scoffs at God? Yes. To scoff is to ridicule, make fun of in a cruel way. Do we live in a culture that ridicules 
and makes fun of God and Christians? Are we judged when we stand for godly values and principles? Are we scoffed at when we stand against the world's views because they contradict the word of God? Are we strong enough to stand against the, the, the things of the world and stand on the Lord? Are we so concerned about being politically correct that we compromise? Just some questions to think about. Pastor Christine, <clears throat> excuse me, had a conversation with someone recently that is a Christian. And uh, uh, this person was advising their child to get an abortion. And Pastor Christine got on the phone with them and talked to them about it. And uh, I don't know what kind of influence that conversation had, but I know that the kids had enough sense to, to not do that, go through with that. That's what I'm talking about, guys. When we allow the world to infiltrate our culture and we begin to compromise and degrade to the lowest common denominator, something is wrong. We need to keep the standard high, raise up the banner of Christ and say, no compromise. I'm not compromising. I'm not here to judge you, but I am here to shine the light and, te and show you the truth of God. And because you don't receive it or you don't believe it or whatever, that's on you. That's not on me. But if the word says it's wrong, I'm standing on the word. I'm standing strong. If we don't do that, what's the point? You know, there is no light in us that's impacting the darkness. The gray area is shrinking and we make choices every day whether we stand for God or not. And if you take a, a flashlight and you turn it on in a dark cave, it dispels the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome the light, but we can turn off our light and allow the darkness to invade our space. Let's, uh, let me read 2 Timothy 3, 2 again. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. Now, let me be straight up with you, parents. It's not your role to be your, your child's best friend. It's your role to raise them up. They're not, first of all, they're not your child. You're a steward of that child. God has given you those children. And if you understand that they're God's prized possession and he's gonna hold you accountable, you need to train them up correctly. And you, and you know, I think we need to train up our children and equip them to fulfill the calling that God has on their life and to help them develop their own relationship with Jesus. That's our role as parents. And so that's what we're doing back here in, in Kingdom Kids. We're training up your children, but we can't do it all. It's dependent mainly on you. And so what we're doing is we're reinforcing those godly values and truths and principles in them to help you at home. But you are the primary uh, caretaker for your children. So you should be teaching them the word of God. I think they're handing out even uh, uh, papers back there, right? With, with what they covered uh, that day in, in class. Take those. It's a great tool. Okay, this is what you studied on Sunday. Let's talk about it throughout the week. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of opportunity there for you to continue to download spiritually into your children. I promise you they need it. And I'm amazed Karen and Michelle and, and the teams back there are doing a fabulous job. And, and Christine and, and the Pats with the, the older students, they're doing a fabulous job. They're learning the word of God. Let me tell you straight up, some of those kids know more than some of you in here. Just saying, you need to pick it up. Okay, all right, so disobedient to parents and ungrateful. We see people that are ungrateful. We see people that have an entitlement mentality. You owe me. No, actually, I don't. The government owes me. Well, not really. I'm too lazy to work, so you give me. I remember a, a, a company that I worked for in San Antonio a number of years ago. And it, <clears throat> excuse me, it was a civil engineering firm, and I was a draftsman, and they were training me to be the guy to take the plats down to City Hall and uh, uh, submit those so that they get approval for the changes and all that kind of stuff. 
And uh, this guy that was training me was an ex-heroin addict. And I think that the, the owner of the company had just a lot of uh, compassion on him because he would go to the methadone clinic every day and get methadone, methadone. And he would sit at his desk with a compass. You know, remember those compasses? with the, And he would draw circles all day long, you know, just doodling. Uh, but he was the one to go down and submit these plans to the city. And so as he was training me, we would get in the, in the car, and uh, we would be headed downtown, and he'd, he'd pull off in this little barrio area, uh, you know, in the project area. And uh, I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, we're, we're just going to stop in. And all these guys are sitting around drinking beer and smoking dope, and he goes over there and grabs a beer. You want a beer? No, that's okay. I'll, I'll pass on that. Smoking, smoking uh, weed, and then we get back in the car and, and go do our business. And I'm like, well... What is it with these guys? He's like, ah, oh, no, they don't, want, they don't want to work. They can do better by not working. And I'm like, something is inherently wrong with this system. And so, you know, there are people that are ungrateful. Um, I, and I, I think that welfare is a result of, of actually the church not doing what it was supposed to do. I think if the church would have been doing what we were supposed to do all along, welfare would have never needed to be created um, so Life Fellowship, we help people. But helping people does not mean that we enable them to stay codependent. We're helping people. If someone has a problem, we want to help them, not keep them stuck in the same mode that they're in. And listen, everybody needs help from time to time. Come on. All of us do. There's no shame in that. But let's get some good help. Um, Enabling people to be codependent is not helping them. Let me read on, 2 Timothy 3, 2. They will uh, consider nothing sacred. First thing that came to mind was people breaking into churches and stealing stuff. That's not sacred. I mean, it, there's no value there uh, for, for the Lord. There's no respect for the Lord. And I think that's one of the things you, you probably heard of the seeker-sensitive movement where churches, uh, oh, we don't want to put a cross up because we don't want to offend anyone. It's a church. It's not a nightclub. People are coming to church. They should be coming to hear the word of God and build their relationship. And you're worried about offending them because there's a cross on the wall? Have we degraded to that point? Come on. I heard of a church where an elder, this is, this is, unfathomable to me. An elder had sex with his wife on the prayer on the altar. An elder had sex with his wife on the prayer table. An elder had sex with his wife throughout the significant places of the church. And the pastor asked me, what should I do? I said, that's a clear sign. Set him down. You know what? He didn't. And not only did he not set him down, he brought him back like two or three times. That church is no longer in, his, in existence. Is it any wonder? How long will God let this kind of stuff go on? It breaks my heart. But somebody doesn't step in and say, no. Where, what was the senior pastor thinking? It's okay? It's not okay. And so we see things like that happening in the body of Christ, and they are wrong. And the media gets a hold of it and just runs with it. But listen, we're different. We should be a people of commitment to him. We should be committed to the values of Christ. That's what a disciple of Christ means, is that you're a committed follower of Christ. Amen. That you're committed to the teachings of Christ. That you're living it, not playing it. 2 Timothy 3.3, 3, they will be unloving and unforgiving. Some of these things have entrenched themselves in the body of Christ. Have you ever been to a church or been around Christians that were unloving? Like, wow, like cactus. What church do you go to? The cactus church. <laughs> you know, and come on, we should not be like that. And unforgiveness is one of the greatest things the enemy uses to destroy lives. I know people that have been walking around with unforgiveness for decades, and you see the evidence in their life. And so 
we need to be forgiving. And I'm not saying be stupid, but I am saying be forgiving and say, God, I turn this over to you. So these are some of the things that, that Paul is writing to Timothy about. And he goes on to say, they will, be, they will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. No self-control. Look at the uh, Cincinnati Bengals last night. They didn't have much control. Cost them the game, probably. Listen, self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And, uh, you know, we need to have self-control. But there are people that are just living crazy lives out there. You see it on TV. See it probably in, with people you may know. There's no self-control. And the second part of the scripture, well, let me say this too. Um, I've had seasons when I've been out of control, but Jesus. And some of you have had seasons in your life where you're out of control, but Jesus. Listen, he is the only hope. Because if we're thinking that we can get self-control, wrap our arms around self-control, well, how did that work for you before? So we need Jesus um, they will be cruel and hate what is good. There's another scripture that says, in the end times, they will call evil good and good evil. Maybe this is the same one in a different translation. And I never thought, I thought, how could that be? That at some point in time, they're gonna call evil good and good evil. I think we're here. Yeah, we're here. That's amazing to me. And it's because we've diluted the standard of God so much that it just blends in with the world. Not here, not here at Life Fellowship, we don't. Let me continue uh, 2 Timothy. Uh, they will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Somebody needs to tweet this. I'm gonna read this a couple of times. If you don't make God a priority... There are plenty of other things that will fill the gap. If you don't make God a priority, there are plenty of other things that will fill the gap. So listen, guys, um, I'm, I'm really, really deliberate and serious about taking us to the next level. We need to get serious. We've been talking about the doors the Lord is opening up globally for us. We need to be ready, and part of that is being spiritually strong and prepared to go forth and do what he's called us to do, not only in Africa, not only in India, not only in the Philippines and Malaysia, but right here in our communities. And, and you know, there, there are people in churches, there are churches that are just playing church. Oh, yeah, it's sex on the altar. Well, what do you think we ought to do about that? Cast the demons out of them, for one. I mean, come on. Let's read on. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. This is what Jesus is talking about. There are churches, there are, you know, he was talking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders and scholars at the time saying, you're acting religious, but there's, there's nothing inside you. He called them whitewashed tombs. They were empty spiritually. They were void. And there are churches and individuals that are acting religious while rejecting Jesus. We'll talk about God the Father. We'll talk about Jesus the Son, but we're not going to touch that Holy Spirit thing. The Holy Spirit is God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are one. So if you struggle with that, then you've had some bad theology because the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus said, I go that I send the Holy Spirit to guide you and lead you into all truth. There are churches that are coming across religious but rejecting the power that can make them godly. It's the Holy Spirit, people, that God sends to us to help us, to lead us and guide us. And we'll talk about the Holy Spirit all day long. He is the orchestrator of this church. He is the leader and guider. That is who Jesus gave the authority to. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. And he said, I send the Holy Spirit so he can be everywhere at all times for all believers, for all things. He was in the beginning with God. Yeah. 
Everything was created by him and for him and through him. They will act religious, but reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. Family, we need to pray. You're going to be, you should be receiving. If you're not on the email list, let Karen Tudor know. Get on the list. We're sending every week, we're sending you a reminder. And I think on the phone app too. Are we, if we're not, we need to be sending out those. If you don't have the phone app, get the phone app. Come on. Come on, get the phone app. You have every other app on there. You got games and all other kind of stuff. So get the, the, the phone app. You can, you can watch the sermon live. You can watch uh, the archives. You can podcast. You get notifications. We're not going to bombard you with a bunch of notifications. But uh, you'll get a, a notification that the men's group is Tuesday night. Men, you need to be here. If this is your church home, can I hear a... Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm not sure what that was, but we'll move on. Um, so you'll be getting notifications, and I'm asking you to fast and pray these 21 days. Um, it's, if this is your church, you need to, to fast and pray. It will change your life. The Lord is emphasizing the importance of 2016. Um, and I've shared with you that 2015 was a, a banner year for us, a vital year, an important year. And God is laying a foundation and I read a word uh, recently that the Lord gave me during this, uh, this fast and prayer time where he's spoken to me about some of the things that he's going to be doing. So you'll have to go back and watch that. I'm not going to tell you. But fasting and prayer will change your life. Um, God blesses us when we honor him with the first. That's a principle. Um, we, we teach that tithing, we honor God with the first 10% of our increase. We give him the first, not the last. Uh, when the children of Israel went into the promised land, he said, give me the spoils from the first city and I'll give you the rest. As we give the first of our year to him, he's gonna, he's gonna bless the rest. And I, I'm not saying if you don't fast and pray, you're, you're cursed. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, do we wanna step it up a notch? Are, are we really serious about this thing? I mean, are we really serious about it? We're serious about our job, right? We go and work 40 hours a week. But can we spend 15 minutes a day with someone that we say is a priority for us? Our actions are going to reflect what's a priority and what's not. Giving the last does not honor God. Giving the first, he honors and he blesses the rest. The Lord has spoken to me that he's going to do some amazing things in our midst. But I think he's looking for people that are teachable, that are humble and obedient and are open to him and are diligently seeking him. God has said he's going to do amazing things. And we need to posture ourselves to be able to receive. Some of us need greater capacity for what he's doing in our lives. I can't, I can't tell you all the stretching trials and tribulations I've been through the past couple of years, and, and it seems to have ramped up this year. And, and what the Lord told me is, I'm stretching you. You need a greater capacity because I have a great mission and calling for this church. You've got to expand to handle it. These trials are for you, for now and for later. And we know that James 1, count it all joy, what? When you have trials and tribulations for the testing of your faith, build your patience, and when your patience is complete, then you are what? Complete, lacking nothing. God is for you. God loves you. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Is there anybody here that would like to rededicate their life to the Lord? Maybe you had a relationship with the Lord and you've walked away and you're like, I need a new start. Listen, there's no shame in that. Anybody here, you be bold enough to slip up your hand, catch my eye. Maybe you've never had a relationship with the Lord and you say, today's a new day. All right. We're gonna worship. And, uh, and what I want you to do this morning is I want you to Ask the Lord what he has to say to you. God has, I believe he, you know, I, I've, I've been faithful and obedient and giving you the word that he's given me. 
And so let's let that marinate within us and say, God, what else do you want to say to me today? As you go out uh, through this week, lift up the name of Jesus. Lift him up. Let me tell you, do not ever be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And do not ever apologize for your stance on the word of God. Don't do it. Come on. The world's going to try to get you to do that. And if you don't have a daily devotional, if you're you're not going to read it, please don't take one because we only have a few left. But if you are going to read it, take one. They're not going to do us any good to sit there the rest of the year. All right? So as you go out this week, make a determination to make a difference in your world around you. And I want to see as many people as can come tonight at 630 for the Life 101 class and uh, college and career. If you know somebody uh, that's in, in that age group, invite them tonight. It's going to be awesome. And with that, I want to dismiss you. I want to pray. Lord God, I thank you for your great and awesome work that you've done in our lives individually and what you're doing corporately in this church, what you're doing corporately and globally in the body of Christ. And Father, we're so privileged and honored to be a part of what you're doing. And the fact that you've looked down and you picked Life Fellowship out and said, I'm going to open amazing doors for you across the globe is amazing to me. But we're willing to do it, God. And we say, download into us. Show us, give us fresh revelation and and understanding and wisdom and the things that we need to fulfill all that you called us to do. And we thank you for it. And we pray with expectation in Jesus' name. Go out and live it, Life Fellowship. Let our King, let our King be lifted high. 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 Let our King be lifted high.